You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Carry Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to share fellowship. Thank you for light. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for purpose. Revealed in its fullest form. Thank you. There's precision and accuracy. No contradictions, no errors. The word of God is coming forth with power and grace. You are glorified. We are edified. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So Genesis 35. We are talking about the Genesis series episode 28. The Genesis series episode 28. We are on Genesis chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. And make an offer there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So, the account, Moses was actually speaking to the first fleeing when he took his birthright and he took the blessing. Okay? So, he was now going to face the guy. But then you can see that they were being moved from one place to what? Another. Praise God. They were not dwelling in comfort in one place. They were in search for the promise. For the promise. No wonder the Hebrew writer said. Hebrew 11, 8 to 10. By faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place. Where he should after receive four inheritance obeyed and he went out. Not knowing whither he went. He went out. Not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned. In the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. The heirs with him of the same promise. The heirs with him of the same promise. The word sojourn is the word para kiss, para Paro, sorry, paro kissing. Paro kissing. Paro kissing. Greek. So it's paro kissing. 
stranger. So, one who dwells in a place that belongs to another person. So, you can see that they never built a house. They lived in tents, even though they were wealthy. And their lifestyle with their wealth was to exemplify what they believed. They showed that they believed what they believed in was God's promise. And that was their focus. And they saw everything around them as temporal. Praise God. Ask the next person, are you sojourning? Please ask them. Are you dwelling on earth like it is not your place? (laughs) Yeah. Are you dwelling here like a stranger? Hey, Charlie. Listen, when I look at this thing closely, I ask myself, what kind of deception is this? Because these days when we talk about being established, we're talking about wealth. The wealth language has become the believer's language. Can you believe it? And they will do Jabez's prayer. Enlarge my territory. Okay, but you look at these guys who were actually the pay setters for us and you realize that the focus was very different. Very different. Very different. You see that he used the word in Hebrews, the heirs with him of the same promise. It is the word syncleronomon. 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 Is the same word as joint heirs that will be used for believers in Romans 8.17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's the word. Sinclair Ronoman. Joint heirs. Okay, so what Hebrews was just trying to say is that all that they were doing was actually preparing for the Christ to be revealed because they are to be joined as with us 
in the same word promise. Praise God. Ephesians 3.16 That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Praise God. The riches of his glory. First Peter 3.17 For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than doing evil. So you can see clearly that their glory was not in temporal things according to the riches of his glory. Riches of his glory. He's not talking about lands and mansions and cars. He's talking about our rich inheritance in Christ. That you today can be called the righteousness of God. You have eternal security sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have eternity inside of you. These are big things. Big things. And that's why he says, you would suffer for doing good because of where we are living and the systems in which we are living. Are you here with me? You'll be called stupid. You'll be called foolish. If you are British, say foolish. Yeah. You'll be called names. As a matter of fact, I know. They say, I don't have a vision. Why don't I have a vision? Because I'm not preaching their kind of vision. Because when they say vision, they are talking about corporate. Where a person has vision and can see the big picture of a company. With a large crowd and is employing about 20,000 people. Then he is the guru. I'm preaching heaven. Meanwhile, this same person has believed with me. So you ask yourself, what did they believe? Did they see Jesus when they believed? If they don't see what they believed, then it tells you something that what they believed is not temporary. Even those who saw it, It left them, true or false. It vanished before their eyes, true or false. So if it is a temporary thing, then it is something that lives with us, true or false. But we believe by what we believe in. We will see it in the future by faith. Praise God. And he showed us the pattern. When Jesus came, he was doing good. True or false? Did you see him sharing money? Giving away cars? And donkeys? So he gave each of the apostles a horse. 
to reward them for the good work they have done. Is that what he did? No, that's not it. Because that's not exactly what he is. The focus is not on materialism. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on what? Keep your eyes on what? I will drum it till you leave it. I will drum it till you become the modest person on earth. I will drum it till you understand that your allegiance to God has nothing to do with your wealth situation. You are blessed whether you have money in your pocket or you don't. Are you here with me? Does it mean you have to be lazy? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Even as you do work, make sure you give yourself to things of the spirit even more. So do natural things, but give yourself to spiritual things. That's the core. That's the major. No guitarist, no pianist, no instrumentalist plays more minor chords than major chords. Otherwise, the people can't enjoy the music. Everything God made has has shown us the design of God. So even the one that we innovated ourselves and we are doing like music and all of that, that we are playing, you can play more minor chords than major. Della, can you do that? The music will not be appreciated. Because you have to play more major chords and do some minor chords and it becomes revealing. Our major core is spirituality. Did you hear that? Let me ask. I don't know why it's coming to me. Who are you quarreling with? And why are you quarreling? I don't know why. I'm sure the Lord wants to speak to somebody here. Who are you quarreling with? And why are you quarreling? And it's about natural things. You don't know who you are. It's about material things. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are in their entire lives found to be living in tents. Their entire lives showed faith in God's promise and the eternal nature of that promise. So no one can easily get lost in their stories when one does not have the Christ story. Hello? So you would easily get lost in their stories when you don't know that the intent is to bring out the Christ story. Were they all morally perfect? No. 
were they always good examples? So you will see, as in comparison with Joseph, who was all perfect in his lifestyle and examples, yet God is not referred to as God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Are you here with me? Okay. So in the life of the faith, you see only these three patriots. And we look into their lives and they are not all that good. But they have one thing that strikes the chord. And God's heart is pleased. And they are chosen. They believe. Praise God. The temporary nature of human possessions is very clear in the way they lived. Although people go into Genesis and all they are looking for is to teach material possession, they bypass eternity, which is staring them so clear glaringly in the face. And they say they preach Abraham's blessing. And we have studied about Abraham, how he got rich. Two occasions in Egypt and with Abimelech. He lied. And God had mercy on him for his life to be spared. Oh, true or false? And do you know what happened? When I look at this, look look at what happened. They gave him something to just get out. That something they gave him is what you are calling Abraham's blessing. Wake up. You didn't get it. When a wealthy man gives you something as just a buy-off, And that becomes your blessing. You are cheap. You are so cheap. How could you preach this? I mean, tell me how. I mean, think about some of the rich men you have in Ghana. You a believer. You take your wife to their place. The man sees your wife. Says, oh, I love her. He says, she's my sister. So the man now tries to have your wife. And then God intervenes for you. And then the rich man said, you are mobile. Okay. Hey, take some 100,000 Ghana cities and go with your wife. Go with your musu. And then somebody comes up and says, you are blessed. This is your blessing. And so this is the inheritance we share in. Come on. Come on. They were not blessed materially because they prayed for it. 
but because they used sense. In using sense, it could be positive or negative, depending on the context, as we saw in the narratives. They also worked. They worked as headsmen. True or false? Oh, true or false? So when Jesus spoke in the parable, he referred to the children of this world as wiser. And that, <laughs> that parable is used in a different way. Jesus was talking about covetousness. He's referring to the flesh as seen in the Genesis story. Can you relate now? Somebody was looking after somebody's goods and saw that he was about to be sacked and decided to reduce the thing. You, I reduce it for you. You, I reduce it for you so that when he goes, he has favor before the ones whom he gave the things to. Is that not shrewdness? Oh, is that not shrewdness? First of all, is the thing yours? Thank you. So Jesus was talking about covetousness. And exactly what happened with our father Abraham. He used a small apple. <laughs> so we see the flesh in their dubiousness. The spirit we see is their faith. Praise God. Oh, praise God. And when they resemble the spirit, you see them reconcile with the fruit of the spirit exemplified in their actions. Is that very clear? Wonderful. So all we see is this. Listen, we see typical human stories that are liaised with God's promise. Hello. And that's how you come to understand the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When he says, I am the God of the living and not the dead. What you seek after is not of this earth, but in eternity. Say in eternity. Look at Luke 24, 44 to 49. Luke 24, 44 to 49. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened the understanding that they might comprehend their scriptures. Then he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, 
I send the promise of my father. The promise of my father. The promise of my father. So he brings us back to Genesis. The promise of my father. What God promised in Genesis. To you. But tarry in the city, Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. And that's what I explained last week. That right in Genesis 1, 1 to 5, you see God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? In that, you also see the church. Praise God. All right? So, you see the called out ones. You see those who also reject the gospel. Everything is right there. Everything is right there. So every time we say God the Father, we are referring to Genesis. You can write it down. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Narrative. Or Abraham. The father of many nations narrative. Is that clear? It may not be the first line of interpretation, but the second line of interpretation. So it speaks to the lineage of God. Yeah. It speaks to the lineage of God. Say the lineage of God. Is that very clear? Yeah. The lineage of God. God the Father. And in that tree, are you getting the point? The sun was produced. Are you getting it? Yeah. So you see the tree. Just an account in Philemon. Some will say Philemon. It has only one chapter. 14. And it speaks to our brother Joseph. We're going to go into that. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. And that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. This is Joseph right there. Philemon. As Paul was talking, Paul was talking in the line of Joseph. In the line of Joseph. I'll go into all of that very soon. But it speaks to forgiveness. Say forgiveness. Yeah. It speaks to forgiveness. What happened here clearly was that Philemon had a servant. And the servant disobeyed Philemon, took something that belongs to him and ran away. Paul went to meet him and asked for forgiveness for the young man. So Paul was actually speaking to Philemon to let go and to have the forgiveness. And he quoted from Joseph. But in the end, it is speaking to Christ. Praise God. So they all knew that all of these stories, you glean the Christ. 
his salvation, his character, his forgiveness. And those are the things you look out for. Praise God. Is that very clear? Okay. Now, the only chapters that you will not find direct references in Genesis are, write it down, chapter 20. 24, 34. So chapters 20, 24, 34, 36, 40, and 43. Direct references to the salvation message. But then even the ones that are most quoted in the stories are majorly in Acts 7, Stephen's martyrdom. Stephen's martyrdom. Okay? Now, more than half of the New Testament makes allusions to Genesis 1.11. More than half of the New Testament makes allusions to Genesis 1.11. Genesis 1.11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. The law of Genesis. Look at John 2.5. You remember when Jesus was told by the mother to do something about the wedding couple's need in Cana, the first miracle that John spoke about. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, huh? do it. Okay, look at Genesis 41, verse 55. Mm-hmm. Let's all read it, go. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. Whatever he says to you, do. So Mary was quoting from Joseph. So you can see Jesus being typified here. In the Joseph story. Is that very clear? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, let me bring out something and then we can continue. Now, 500 years before Jesus, there was this philosopher called Heraclitus. He actually founded the concept of Logos. Now, the idea of Logos in Greek actually harks back at least to the 6th century. 6th century. Now, 
What it does is that it is the discernment of the cosmic process of logos. In other words, an analogous of human reasoning. It brings out how human beings reason. They don't do things for anything. There's a purpose behind whatever is done. Claire. Oh, Claire. 500 years before Jesus. So, if you look at John, John was actually using that in John 1.1. When he said, in the beginning was the Logos, the reason. Claire. Listen, listen. In... (laughs) When you hear biology, sociology, all the logics are from Heraclitus. The reason behind bio. The reason behind social. Do you get it? Is that very clear? You are not clear. Adriana, you understand it? So, is the so John? Yes, yeah, so John picked it. So that was what John used in John to explain the subject matter for creation. <laughs> so, if everything that human beings do has a purpose, then human beings are coming out of a God who has a purpose. Is that very clear? Dela, do you understand it? It's too huge. Eh? Very huge, eh? Okay? So, what it means is that humanity has a purpose. And that purpose is in Christ, who is the subject matter of creation. So, so it means that when Moses was writing, Moses was bringing out the purpose of creation. Are you getting a point? Which is humanity. Hey. And the purpose of humanity is Christ. Are you getting it now? That's why we say no Jesus. And I think, I mean, Solo brought this up to me, I mean, two days ago or three days ago, right? Yes. When he was studying about light in Genesis, which speaks to the source. You remember in UDS I taught you that everything else is what? Resource. That came from the source. So the source then becomes the reason for all things. Colossians. That's why he says, in him consists all things. That's why you don't go to Genesis to look for archaeology. <laughs> for biology. For science. 
you are missing out on the reason. Hello? Does that make sense? So all the narratives, the events, the stories, the lapses, the flaws, the falls, and all the things that you see there is to bring out the Christ story in the stories. The reason for what was written is Jesus. And so we can safely say that Christ is God's theology or God's reason. Or we call God a man. Christ, the man, is our study of God. If you want to know God's mind, God's will, God's purpose, look at Christ. That's why Hebrews 12 will tell you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God. That's why the gospel is not the meeting of man's material desires. The gospel is not the meeting of man's material desires. No. We have seen man's material desires met without the gospel throughout the Bible. Anytime man's desires, man's real need are tried to be met outside God, it is catastrophic. Both to man and their environment. And it is why we see what we see today. Yeah. So, is it man's problem that is being solved in Genesis? Is it man's problem? Good. It is God's problem. And man is that problem of God. Praise God. So God is solving a problem to love man who doesn't know what his problem is. That's why, write this down, it's very important. Listen, you need to make sure that you go through this Genesis series. (laughs) You need to take time, study it, Because if you are able to get this foundation, you are good to go. So clearly. And listen, it takes time. It is painstaking. I want you to write this down. Why does the world always see everything the church does In the light of economic development. Do you realize that the church is measured by the world through its economic development? So the church is also playing to the gallery in that same manner. So, the other day I saw somebody write in a post 
In fact, so a lighthouse guy was brought some of the pictures of Anakazu. What um, lighthouse has done in the eastern region. That, oh, this is the place to train missionaries to go out in the world. And uh, somebody came and said, started bashing. Useless. All of this would have been used as universities to train scientists, to train this and to train that. Because for the people of the world, these are the reasons we are here. Every other thing is a waste of time, energy, and any other reason. That's why they, you yourself, when you are bringing money to the church, wake up. It's only the church when you are bringing money to is too much. True or false? Is it true or false? When you are using money for any other thing, it's okay. Yeah. It serves the purpose. But the moment you are bringing it for the gospel, no, it's too much. Do you know that? The first temptation of Jesus was to turn stones into bread. That was economically viable. Ah. It made every economic sense, true or false, that if he turns stones into bread, it will give food to what? Eat. He didn't do it. Because that's not the need of man. That's not a need of that's not a need of man. It would have made economic sense for Jesus to change the socio-economic political state of Israel or the Jews in his time or make them a first world nation, etc. By the time he would have left, the inflation of Israel had gone down. Israel would be out of captivity from the Roman government. They would have been their own nation. Elect uh, a president and would have done all of that. Did you see Jesus do that? Well, that is not the need of man. Do you know your real need? David said something. The Lord is my shepherd. I have no need. Praise God. When the Lord is your shepherd, then your need has been what? Met. Every other need is subservient to this need. Every other need. Every other need. The need of man is to know God in Christ and to make him known. Praise God. So God's problem is that he wants to love man. How do you love a man like this? 
That's God's problem. So we have looked at Abraham. We have looked at Isaac. And we have looked at Jacob. We would end next week when we look at Joseph to the end, yes, of Genesis. Praise God. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you Thank you for listening to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.